0: Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia.
1: We're going to continue in our series, Discerning the Times. Discerning the Times. And I want to establish a few things before we get into the word, and I have a guest that I'm going to call up in a moment that's going to help us establish this word on a firm foundation. But first, let's have a working definition of what Christian discernment is, spiritual discernment. It's different than knowing right and wrong because that's conscience, that's our conscience. That's what entered into the garden when Eve and Adam took the forbidden fruit. They had knowledge of good and evil. But discernment, according to Charles Spurgeon, is this. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. Can you put that slide up? I want people to see that as I'm talking about it. There's some things that I want us to take away today. And as we go through the discernment practices, I hope you will take notes so that it it can increase your sensitivity. Discernment is not knowing the difference between right and wrong. It's knowing the difference between right and almost right. That's where deception comes in. There's some things that are almost right but they're not right. People talk about, oh, it's just a little white lie. A lie is a lie. There is no black and white. There is no gray. And so that's going to be our working definition as we go through. There are five discernment practices that I introduced some time ago. I want to refresh them. I promised you last week that they would come back. And these are the five. Today we're gonna hone in on one, but you'll see as we get into the word and unpack this word, you'll see several uh, in the text. But the five discernment practices are, number one, intercession. Number two is the word of God, scripture, the word of God. Number three, hearing. And we'll talk about how hearing is a two-way street. Number four, the word of knowledge. When we are rightly discerning, there's some things we just know that we haven't even been taught. You just know it. And then the last one is confirmation. We're going to dig into that one today because that's important. Confirmation is important for the believer and the unbeliever to know when God is at work. He's still working, he never stops working. I wanna lay as a foundation, before I bring up our guest, uh, Peace who's gonna join me, Mark 16 and 20. We're gonna hone in on confirmation. I wanna show you an example. For every one of us who believe Mark records this and I call Mark the book of miracles because it has the fewest words of all the gospels but it has more miracles. Mark focused on the ministry of Jesus Christ. He didn't talk about genealogy. He didn't talk about any of that other stuff. He just got right into it and so that book is the book of miracles and here's how he closes it. He said and they went out and preached Everywhere. The Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Let the church say, Amen. There's a confirmation of the word of God with signs. God told me to tell his people, Why do you continue to look for signs? Don't you know you are the sign? The sign is in you. If the world is going to know me and that I'm a living God and that I'm alive, they need to see it through you. Signs follow us. We don't follow signs. The word of God is confirmed by signs. That's how you know it's God. I'm talking about a God who is always right. You will not be deceived by what's almost right when you're in the will of a God who's always right let the church say amen and before i get my motor running i want to call our guest whose name is peace and the shalom of god is on her life she is a part of the philadelphia tabernacle of david p todd and i had the pleasure last year to be a part of the ascend conference which is about to come again next month. I've been working with Jamie, preparing it. And in that conference, for those of you who are watching online, I put a mantle on Jamie and said, you have a threefold anointing on p Worship, prayer, and the prophetic. And that is on our guest, Peace. Tell us about your ministry and a little bit about what you are so that New Covenant can get to know you.
0: Uh, thank you, Pastor. Um, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here this morning. And uh, as Pastor said, my name is Peace. Um, I've been in Philly, Philly for about 12 years, originally from Pittsburgh, and I'm a part of the Philadelphia Tabernacle of David Ministry and there for about 10 years. Um, and also, about five or six years ago, God birthed within me a ministry called The Gathering Place Philly, which I hold out of my home, and it's geared to bring people of all backgrounds together, believers and non-believers alike, especially those who would never step foot in a church, mm. to experience in a community what it feels like to experience the love of God around other believers that's not super churchified, that they can relate to, just way them to get plugged into a Christian community without knowing it most times. So that's
1: I just what learned I mean. a new word, churchified.
0: <laughs> I made up a new word.
1: Are there any churchified <laughs> folk out there? <laughs> yes. Yes. So well. then that ministry is in your home. God birthed it. And recently you've been doing some other things. Yeah. Yes. Let's talk about, we were at uh, the Esther Ball uh, several months ago. And uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful fellowship. I walked in the room, and one of the first people I saw was Mom Barlow. And I knew I was in a place, the right place. And I sat at the table with peace. You were worshiping, and then you came over, and you sat right next to me, and we had a wonderful conversation. You were on one side, and Rabbi David Rosen, who I've come to love quickly, was on the other side. I was in, in the middle, of the third heaven. We had a (laughs) wonderful, wonderful conversation. And there were some things that you said that have not stopped burning in my heart. And that's the reason I wanted you here today to talk about some of the things that you're doing, the ministry that you're doing when you go every week and travel, leave Philadelphia and take the gospel other places at New Covenant our vision is to touch Philadelphia and beyond. You're here in Philly, but you've got a little bit to talk about the beyond. And one of the things that moved me was that young man who had the hearing problem. Talk about that for a minute.
0: Yes. So, um, so what Pastor is talking about is a ministry that I joined um, last year called the Supernatural Life, Um, and it just. He'll ask me a little bit more later, I believe, about how I got involved. So, but I'll just talk a bit about it right now, and. It is a ministry that um, allows people of, uh, it doesn't matter what kind of church background you come from, to get out there and get your hands actively involved in the supernatural in praying for people and seeing God move in miraculous ways. And I'll tell you what, in the last year, I have seen God do more miraculous things than I have in my 36 years of being on this earth. And in this time period that we're living in right now, in these critical and crucial times, God is moving in mighty, mighty ways. But you know what? We'll miss it. We can miss it if we're not out there, if we're not putting our faith to the test, if we're sitting at home, if we're mourning the times, if we're saying, I want to go back to old old ways. If we're not ready for the new wine, we will miss it. And the story, uh, the situation that Pastor is referring to is we were in Florida. So I travel every weekend with this ministry. So we go all over the country. I've probably been in about thirty. 30- 40 cities just since last June and um, we were in Florida doing a revival these are pop-up revivals most of them are not in churches they're out on the street we put up a tent and we say anybody who wants to get touched from the Lord come in Mm -hmm. and um, at this revival we had a time of prayer time of repentance there's always a time of confession repentance and a time of prayer and we specifically contend for God to move in the areas of deliverance and healing and God always moves i have stories for days pastor <laughs> stories for days but in this specific instance the the, the pastor of the ministry's name is daniel adams uh he he equips everyone because we, we all know that this is not just a one-man show but mm. that all of us as saints have been given a mandate to get out there and 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 and, and believe and contend for god to use us So in this specific revival, he said, everyone, lay your hands on somebody next to you who needs a touch from God and pray. It doesn't have to be a a long prayer. It can be a simple prayer and just say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I command this, this, this to happen because you've given us authority to make Mm -hmm. it happen. So in Jesus name, I believe and Mm -hmm. I will see it. And you know what? Miracles pop off every weekend in this specific event. We had so many testimonies, but as the pastor was asking for people testimonies to come up to the stage, I saw this young boy run up to the stage. And I believe there's going to be a picture up of of the young boy. There he goes. I saw him run up to the stage, and he had in his hands a cochlear implant attachment. Now, for those of you who don't know, I'm in the medical field, so I know a little bit more about these things. For those of you that don't know, when an individual is born deaf and it's not fixable, there's no, there's no way to amend it, they will implant a surgical piece under the skull into the brain, and then there will be an external piece that gets attached externally, and that allows the individual to have some form of hearing. It's not normal, but it's something. So this boy was born deaf. And as he ran to the stage he said i don't need these anymore those are his words i don't need these anymore so he's extending in this picture his cochlear implants and i had a conversation with this young boy can you hear me i can hear you and he was ecstatic his mother was there there's a picture they'll, they'll show in a second his mother and him are hugging this is this is what god is doing This is what God is doing right now. This is not biblical times. This is 2022.
1: This is what God is doing right now. And what God is saying right now is, can you hear me? Mm. Can you hear me? I'm talking to you. Yes. Just like I unstopped his ears. God's coming to unstop somebody's ears. Because sometimes when you hear the voice telling you to go or to lay hands, you, you don't even know. You wonder, is this God? He confirms his word with signs working with us. Can Amen. you God is asking you a question. Can you hear me? Take that cochlear, is that how you say it? Cochlear cochlear implant out. You don't need it anymore. Amen. Can you hear him Amen. talking to you now? So when did you get the confirmation? Because I know stepping out on faith like this requires confirmation. We've all had things that God has called us to, and we have moments where, is this God? Mm -hmm. And doubt works two ways. Sometimes I doubt myself because I'm I'm not worthy. I know where I've been. I know what I've done. Or I just wasn't born into the right family. I don't have the right... Those are all Mm self-doubt. But then sometimes we doubt God in that, God, will you do this? Is this really you? Kind of like Gideon. God says he's a man of value. No, it can't be me. I'm the least in my father's. My father is from a It's not even a full tribe. All of those things happen. I'm not asking you what you went through. I'm asking you, what was the confirmation that caused you to say, I'm going to get on a plane every week and go out and watch the hand of God move?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I I I've always known that God has called me to be a doer, a goer. And that is part why partly why I even started the ministry out of my home, because I was like, Lord, I just need to be used. I don't even know where I don't have a building. I'll just (laughs) open the doors of my house, you know? And and so twenty twenty hit, of course, the pandemic hit, and the world was put on pause. And so I'm thinking, oh, this is the best thing that we could, you know, God, you're going to use this. What I'm trying to say is you're going to use this because this is a time for us to sit home and reflect on what it is that we need to reroute in our own lives, in our nation, in our globe. So I was hopeful. And I don't know about you, but for the first couple months of the pandemic, despite all the disease and sickness that happened, God used that in such a beautiful way in my life and in the loved ones in my life. Well, then, somewhere about four or five months in, you guys remember uh, we had the um, we had the uh, um, uh, I'm sorry, the, um, the 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 murder of uh, George Floyd. Oh, Thank right, you. right,
1: right, right, in May. We had the it murder made, of George yeah.
0: Floyd, which, if you will recall, that kind of shifted the temperature. We we were okay, and then the nation just went crazy. And so I'm a filler, I'm a bit of an empath. Um, and so when I see destruction and chaos around me, my thing is, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? And so I was, I was putting out videos. I remember I was putting, I was writing songs. I was, I, I have, a, you know, I use social media. But it was like nothing was putting a dent into the chaos that was surrounding our nation. And I got so frustrated, and I'll even say exhausted because I was like. This is crazy. People, people just, they don't want to, they, they, I quit God because everyone is treating everyone like this and no one wants to love their neighbor and no one wants to honor the Lord and the nation's falling apart. And I'm tired of trying to put good out in the world and seeing nothing in return. And mm. some of you guys might know what that feels like.
1: Yes.
0: I got exhausted and I literally told God, I quit. I'm not holding any more gatherings, I'm not doing any more speaking, I'm not leading any more worship at any events, I'm done, you fix this mess. Mm. (laughs) Well then, couple months later, we had the Ascend Conference of last year, yes. as you were talking about. And it happens every year. It's coming up again this weekend. And at that conference, we had a speaker come up, uh, Pastor Ford come up and he shared, uh, it was three days, but two of those days, he shared the most impactful message about the glory of God and how God wants to, his, wants to pour out his glory on a people. And a lot of that had to do with what you're talking about, about if we go. God will God will move. Yes. If you build it they will come. God wants to pour out his glory. And there was a moment at the end of that last or second to last night where the glory of God fell so strong in that room. And you re, you may remember this. Everybody fell to their knees and we we began weeping. We wept for probably 2 hours. I, I know. remember
1: that. I was on my face, yes. not my knees.
0: Yes. i was on my face too Mm. i didn't get up for two hours mascara everywhere makeup running down i i've never been hit with such a the only way i can describe it, it it was it was repentance i was mourning i was sorrowful but i was more importantly saying god i'm sorry i'm sorry that i ever thought i could give up on your people I'm sorry that I ever thought I could back out. This is what you call every single one of your saints to. I don't have a right to say I quit. And after getting up from those two hours of just weeping on the floor, I felt like I rose up and I was born again again. That's the only way I can explain it. I felt like the waters of heaven had just washed over me, renewed my mind, cleansed my heart. All the bitterness, all the hardness, God just pushed it out and I was like okay I'm ready to go again Mm. and it was that same weekend God's timeline is so interesting it's it's, it's perfect it was that same weekend I was online and I was on YouTube and as I was searching on YouTube I came across a YouTube channel and the YouTube channel was called the supernatural life and it was like I was ready to go again and as I saw God moving on this channel through through this man of God and other people of God who were just going out there I was like oh 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 now I get why I was so frustrated, mm. because there is a malaise that just hit the nation, and we were trying to fix something that was broken. I was trying to fix that w- something that was broken with the wrong tools. Trying to do more programs, putting out more of this, talking this, sharing that. Those are all tools, and God is no longer moving in that way anymore. He's not doing that. It's a new wine for a new season. So as I watch these videos, I'm seeing people laying hands. I'm seeing demons cast out of people. I'm seeing miraculous things happen. Now listen, I'm from West Africa. I was born here, but my parents immigrated from Nigeria. So the supernatural is not unusual to me. I grew up hearing about these things i have ancestors who practice witchcraft i ancestors i have a grandmother who practiced witchcraft Mm. and my family has been battling spiritual warfare since i was a little girl so i'm not this is not unusual to me but yet as i was growing up there was so much about my parents generation and how they operated and how they thought about the supernatural realm that for me i always was like i don't know if that's fully it i don't know if that's fully it there was a lot of power, there's a lot of, there's a lot of hype. And if anybody here is from Africa, you might recognize, what I'm, you might understand what I'm saying. There's a lot of hype, but there's not always transformation. So that caused me to be a little bit mm, towards mm. The, the supernatural realm. But the, but the Christian life is a supernatural walk and you, can't, you can't run away from it. Mm. And it's crazy because everything that's in our bloodline, everything that God deposited into us, from where we are from everything it all is there for a reason because that is part of our makeup it's part of our genetic makeup so that god can use that he's going to redeem it he's going to use it in our calling and our purpose so it's not an accident that i'm from where i'm from mm. so as i'm watching these videos i'm like okay me i've seen this stuff before but it feels different I'm seeing everyday average people do it. I'm not just seeing the 70-year-old man who's been Come on. preaching for decades and he's the anointed one. No, I'm seeing a 15-year-old kid. I'm seeing a 23-year-old mother laying hands and c- casting out demons. I got to go. Mm, <laughs> yes. I said, I got to go. Because this is what I've been waiting for. This is what I'm looking for. I want to move in power. I'm tired of being exhausted. So I reached out to this ministry and I said, I'm in. Amen. Train me. Train me in demonic deliverance. I'm ready. Mm. And that's what I did. I got trained. I got on the road and I went. And God has been using me and all of the people in my group in in these revivals. I have cast out more demons. (laughs) I mean, demons wailing, growling. I hate Jesus. I mean, those kind of biblical demons. I've cast out more demons in the last year than I even thought possible. Mm. God has used me to heal people that I was like, what? What? Because it's faith. Yeah. And I put my faith to the test. And it's, he's called all of us to do that exact same
1: thing. Come on. I, I want you to know we're talking about discerning the time. Let me tell you a little bit about what time it is. We're living in a time where heaven is putting out an assault on dead religion. Dead religion is being assaulted by heaven. When we were talking, Earlier this week, you said something that was with me when I laid down and when I woke up. You said, Pastor, it is like the veil between heaven and earth is very thin. We have access to an open heaven. Anyone who's willing to walk in it. David said it this way, heaven and earth has kissed together. And there's something that heaven wants to bring into the earth. He's, he just needs some people that he can radicalize. Yeah. You're one of God's radicalized people who is frustrated and tired had an experience with Will Ford where the glory of God and I was there I can be a witness the glory of God fell in that place Mm. it was the Mm. real thing and it wasn't this wasn't that that was almost right you knew that God was in that place if an atheist was in that room they would have been on their face there was no one who could resist the presence and the power of God and God was giving us a foretaste of what is To come. Mm. It's no longer about being in a bubble, about being comfortable. God wants us wherever we go for people to see what is upon us. I think this is a good place, Peace, Mm. for the people to hear your angelic voice, Mm. to know what is called glory.
0: Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you,
1: Pastor. And after she's worshiped, you see these pictures, these are some of the things that she experiences in her ministry. And after she's worshiped, we're gonna unpack this word You know Jesus, your Savior, is alive. Somebody type glory. This is what we call glory, the glory of God. Let the glory of God fall in that room right where you are. Glory be to God. As you heard from Peace, she was exhausted. And she was feeling as though... There was too much to be done. I give up. She was tired. A couple of years ago, right in this room, on a Tuesday night, when we normally would have Bible study, I had the the film shown, Sheep Among Wolves. Some of you might remember that. And it's about the, the rapid growth of the church in Iran and how the fire, and the power of God is moving. And there was a couple who was Iranian who moved to the US, the land of the free and the home of the brave. And one day, the wife woke up and shook her husband and said, we gotta get out of here. We gotta get back to Iran. And he said, what's wrong with you? Why would you wanna go back to the tyranny that's in Iran? As believers, we have to be underground we're at risk of being arrested or worse, killed. You're under the threat of being raped at any time. Why would you want to go back? And she looked him in the eye and she said, in America, there's a demonic lullaby lullaby over the nation and the Christians are sleepy and I'm getting sleepy. I've got to go back and they went back to Iran because she wanted to be where the presence of God is. I believe that God is saying to his people, wake up, wake up, it's time to wake up. And that's why there's an assault on dead religion. God is calling his people to a place to confirm that he's alive. And it doesn't take much. I'm not talking about radicalization in terms of behavior, but just in your walk, The opportunities that you have to speak life. The opportunity you have for the power of God to be made manifest. God wants us to wake up to that. It's high time that we awake out of sleep. I want to talk a little bit about confirmation because that's important. Confirmation is important for confidence. And I want to tell you a few stories about my own experience in recent days. But we're going to go to the word of God because The word of God is truth. And there's a prophet by the name of Jeremiah that teaches a very valuable lesson. It's in Jeremiah 32, verses 6 through 8. And it reads, And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. And Jeremiah said, The word of the Lord came to me. Understand that. Jeremiah is writing this, but the context that he's writing, it already has happened. So I want you to, with your Holy Ghost imagination, imagine as we go through the text what it was like in the moment versus looking back. I know for me, there's some things that God said to me that in the moment I felt Some kind of way. But then when it happened, once it was confirmed, I feel a totally different way. And Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Behold, Hanamel, the son of Shalom, your uncle will come to you. In other words, your cousin is going to come saying, Buy my field, which is in Anathoth. For the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Verse eight. Then Hanamel, my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, "Sometimes, oh, and Janine, will say God said it. I believe it. That settles it. That's easy to say." And intellectually, it sounds good. But there's some things that God will say to us that in the moment and in the environment, it doesn't make sense. They were in captivity. The Chaldeans had taken them. They didn't even have any land. And God is saying, go buy some land. That doesn't make sense. So it'll make you pause. How, why am I going to buy land when I'm in captivity? I'm a slave. And you're telling me to buy something I have ownership? that would cause any of us to pause. And the same thing happened to Jeremiah. He was an authentic prophet, but he needed confirmation. I need confirmation, you need confirmation, and God knows that. And his cousin came to him and said, please buy my field that is in Anathoth, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours. And the redemption yours buy it for yourself listen what the prophet said then i knew that this was the word of the lord now in the beginning it said jeremiah said some of the things that i say it sounds good it sounds full of faith but until god confirms his word i'm not sure God wants to make sure that we're sure so he confirms his word. He did that for the prophet and the prophet is teaching us something. Once it happened the way God said it was going to happen he said then I knew that it was the word of the Lord. It's time out for pretending. Confirmation is necessary. It's part of the discernment process and you'll see in the scripture that God does it. You saw In Mark 16 and 20, he confirmed his word with signs. How is the world going to know that God is real if there are no signs? How is the world going to see them if believers are looking for signs? That's why, and the signs are following you. You're looking in the wrong place. They're following you. All you have to do is step out on faith and the signs will be made manifest. That's why Jesus rebuked the religious community of his day. He called them hypocrites. You seek after a sign? You can discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the time. What he's saying is, you know the climate, the earthly climate, why don't you know the spiritual climate? And I believe God is sending, releasing this word so that his people will be able to discern the times so that we know what time it is. We're not just a people of Kronos, the time that is measurable. We're a people of Kairos, that time that's immeasurable, that time that is an opportune time, even though They were in captivity. God said, this is still a Kairos moment. You need to buy that land. It's yours. And you know what the prophet did? He bought the land. He got the deed and he buried it. He buried it because he said, someday God told me 70 years we're coming up out of here. He didn't have a safe, but he buried it. I'm going to bury this thing and I'm going to come up out of here. God confirms his word. Somebody type in the chat. Lord, confirm your word to me. Somebody's in the balance right now. God, you need to confirm it so that they'll know. They'll be sure that it is you. Jeremiah also, if you know anything about Jeremiah the prophet, God told him about the prophets of his day. I haven't called them, neither have I sent them. They are presumptuous. When they dream a dream, they say, the Lord said, And God told Jeremiah to tell him, if you dream a dream, say you dream a dream. Don't say that the Lord said, I haven't said a thing to you. You're leading the people wrong. And no doubt, Jeremiah being a a true, authentic prophet, did not want to be presumptuous. So even when he heard the word, he's like, Lord, is this you? You know as God when it comes to pass because if God says it, it's gonna happen. So when his cousin came, he said then, and said exactly what God told him, then I knew that it was the Lord. What is the lesson for us? You don't jump too soon. If it's God, he will confirm his word, and you will know it, and you will know it's God. You'll know it's not an opinion, it's not a point of view, it's not a preference, It is the God who is always right, he's never almost right. Let's go a little further. I'm gonna use as a case study Elijah the Tishbite. And what I want you to do is I want you to have those of you who take notes, as we come across discernment practices, I want you to write them down because I want you to understand that those five things are not out of thin air they're in the Word of God, and they're they're throughout the Word. But I'm using this example because it's relevant to to today, it's relevant to our times, and it's relevant to the message. And peace is relevant to you. It's part of the reason God wanted you here today to encourage people's faith, but also to have your faith encouraged. First Kings, 18, and. I, you should read 1 Kings 18 in its fullness. We're only going to go through a few verses to get a full grasp. But if you, for those of you who want to go deeper, also read 1 Kings 17. Because I'm going to reference some of that for context. But for right now, that's for later. For right now, let's focus on 1 Kings 18, 20, and 21. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. There was a total of 850 prophets. There were 400 prophets that were Jezebel's prophets and there were 450 prophets in the temple that were prophets of Baal. And Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Before we talk about what's in this text, let me set this up. To understand how we got to this point, you should read 1 Kings 17. And actually in verse one, you don't need to put it up. In verse one, you see God confirming the word of his servant because Elijah said to King Ahab, it is not going to rain in Israel except at my word. He didn't pray about it, he didn't ask God about it, he just spoke it because the prophet Elijah knew something. If I am walking before God upright, he'll back me up. God will confirm my word. So God is a God who confirms the word of his servant and God is a God who confirms his own word. He always confirms his word so that you know it's true. But one of the ways that you know that I or anyone is a servant of God is that God will confirm their word. And I'll talk about what one of the important conditions are as we go further in the text. So after Elijah said, it's not going to rain until I say so. In other words, God immediately spoke to Elijah and said, get out of here. Get out of here. Because when you speak a word that's hard for the hearer to hear, sometimes God has to hide you. He said, get out of here and go to the brook Sharif. I'm going to hide you there. And I'm going to send a raven to feed you. And when you go to 1 Kings 18 and 1, it says, After three years, the word of the Lord came to me. So between chapters uh, 17 in 1 Kings and chapter 18, it's a three-year period. Sometimes, some of you are wondering, why are there no opportunities for me to release my gift? Could it be that God is hiding you? You need to stay where you are until the brook dries up. Because when the brook dried up, God said, now you move on. You, there are two types of people God said that need to be ministered to. Those who are frustrated because they feel hidden. You think somebody's doing something to you. Somebody's not recognizing you. God is hiding you. Just as he hid Elijah the Tishbite. And he said, there's another one that you need to speak to. Those who are staying at Sharif after the brook dried up. When the brook dried up, there's nothing flowing. It's time to leave. It's time to move on and go. And he said to Elijah, go show yourself to Ahab. Now, I want you to understand, when he said it was going to be a, a drought or it's not going to rain, for three years there was a severe famine. It was so severe that it didn't only impact the people but the livestock and their livelihood. They were going under. Ahab the king tapped on the shoulder his right hand person, a man of God by the name of Obadiah, who when Jezebel was killing the prophets, Obadiah, took care of them. He hid them in caves and he fed them at the risk of his own life. He was a man of God, but he had to do it undercover because the king would have taken his head off if he found out. He said, I want you to go one way and I'm going to go the other to see if we can find water. And while Obadiah was out, he saw Elijah. And Elijah said, the Lord told me to go show myself to your master Ahab. Would you tell him that I'm coming? Obadiah said, no. no, no. Are you trying to get me killed? He said, do you not know that I, what I did for the prophets? My master don't know that, doesn't know that. And don't you know that there is no kingdom and no king in all the earth that he didn't go looking for you? He wants to kill you. You know how many resources he spent trying to find you? And I know the Lord has been protecting you. He's hidden you. He hid you in the cleft of a rock. He said, now, if I go tell Ahab you're going to come, the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift you up and take you away, and then I'm going to die. He said, no, no, no. Trust me. I will be there. You tell him, and I'm going to show up. It's going to be high time at noon. You tell Ahab. To meet me on Mount Carmel, I will be there. Now, he was supposed to only show himself according to the word of God to Ahab. Why did Ahab bring all these people? He brought his prophets, his entourage. 850 of them, it's just one Elijah. And then he brought all the people of Israel. And look at what happened when Elijah spoke. It said, but the people answered him, not a word. Anybody who is communicated to any audience, you know what it's like to deliver a word that you know God has given you and you get no amens. You said no response, you said, this is a tough crowd. It's like, Lord, did you really send me here? I said what you told me to say and there is nothing. Some people lose it. They lose all their confidence. They get ready to go, but not Elijah. Elijah knew that God told him. He gave him one instruction. Show yourself to Ahab. Now, you can only do what God tells you to do. He wasn't responsible for all those other folk that show up. But he knew that God is up to something. But why would Ahab do that? When you read... In 1 Kings 17 and 18, you'll see there's a moment when Ahab is in the presence of Elijah. And he said, is it you, Elijah, the one who troubles Israel? He's calling him a troublemaker. All this happened because of you. And Elijah said, I haven't troubled Israel. You have because you have not obeyed the voice of God and you followed Baal. What he was looking for, Pastor O, is a scapegoat. God told me to speak to some scapegoats today. You know, scapegoat is a biblical term. And what God, and you'll find that in Leviticus 16. If you just want the Cliff Notes version, read Leviticus 16, 8 through 10. If you want the fullness, read Leviticus 16, 1 through 34. For those of you taking notes. And the scapegoat was a ritual. Every year, today we know it as Yom Kippur. It's the day of atonement. They would bring two goats. I want you to walk with me here. So now in the presence of God, there are two goats. One is Ahab, and one is Elijah. In in Ahab's mind, the scapegoat is Elijah. And what God instructed Moses to tell the priest to do is to lay hands on the head of the goat of one of them and release them into the wilderness. The other one was sacrificed. The other one was sacrificed. So Ahab thought, today is going to be your last day. I got my posse and they're going to get you. God told me to tell every one of you who, is, who feels like a scapegoat, who's been a scapegoat, or who will be a scapegoat, his hand is on you to release you. How do I know that you're released? Because the ultimate scapegoat is Jesus. He's the one whose blood was spilled. The scapegoat is for the release of sin, to get rid of sin. So the one who's out in the wilderness is set free and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So let people try to scapegoat you. God's hand is on you, and you're gonna be let go. There's something about the hand of God being upon you. Somebody type upon, upon. There's something about upon. Jesus said upon this rock. Not just any rock, upon this rock. The rock of truth, I build my church. I I want you to know that in the upper room, in the upper room, the Spirit of God came upon them. God, Jesus said before the, when the Spirit comes upon you, you shall have, somebody needs to have it upon experience. There's The spirit that is in you is to cleanse you. That's why out of your belly flows rivers of living water. But the spirit that is upon you is to bless somebody else. That's why Jesus said he opened the scroll in the temple and read to the book of Isaiah. And he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me, the hand of God is upon you for somebody to be released don't worry about being a scapegoat you're going to be the one that the priest the high priest, Jesus the high priest is going to lay his hands on and you're going to be released come on, is there anything upon you That's why we go. People who don't even know God, unchurched people, they see there's something on you. Has anybody ever said, you're different? There's something about you that's different. I was having a conversation with a parent of one of David's teammates, and we were at Starbucks, and as we were talking, I'm just imparting what God is putting in my heart. There was no chapter and verse. Tears came in his eyes. And he said, that, Bob, you have no idea what you've done for me. This is different, I feel better. The next day we had a game, my wife was with me. He ran out. He said, I can't explain what happened. He said, I'm, I, forgive me for keep on singing.' And he hugged me. He said, that was different. Because there was something that he saw that was upon me. He couldn't, he couldn't describe it. He did not understand it. But by and by, God will reveal it. What is upon you? Whatever is upon you is upon you to bless somebody else. Release it. The Spirit of God, when it comes upon you, you shall have power God told me to encourage every scapegoat it doesn't matter what your enemy does you can't control what they do you just obey God and God has got you God has got you let's go can we go a little deeper let's go a little deeper let's go to first kings 18 and 29 now Elijah has spoken and he got no amens you might say you know what I'm in the wrong church (laughs) I, they, don't, they don't understand. I just got this word from God. I'm coming with this word and there's no response. I'm out of here. And now listen to the other side. Now the other prophets, they were calling Baal. Oh, Baal. And how long were they calling him? Look at verse 29. And when midday was past, they started early in the morning. And all day, there's some people who do long preaching and there's no power. Midday has passed and nothing has changed. They prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. That's how long past midday. It was the evening sacrifice. From morning to the evening sacrifice. Now look at this. You gotta see this. If you don't see anything else, you gotta see this but there was no voice. They're screaming. No, people wanna hear a voice from heaven. They don't wanna hear just any, no one answered. No one paid attention. I feel like a sila needs to come after this. We're living in a generation where nobody's paying attention. People have short attention spans. People are going away from the church. They're not because there's no voice, there's no answer, and therefore there's nobody paying attention. They were prophesying and nobody paid attention. But when God moves, God is the one who gets people's attention. You cannot resist. God. That's why then the Ascend Conference, from the least to the greatest, everybody was on their face because the presence of God was in that room. When the power of God comes, people take a pay attention, they give notice. That's why heaven has declared an assault on dead religion. Because no one's paying attention. You're talking about a people who gathered together. They're all out there. They have no water. They have their, their cattle is emaciated. They have very little food. They have real problems. When people have real problems, Janine, they need to hear the voice of God. If it's not God, there's no voice. If they don't get a word from God, there's no answer. And if there's no answer, no one pays attention. Now, let's see. Let's get to the heart of this thing. I got to land this plane. We had a little bit of a, a delay in me getting up. And I normally I try to sit down by now. But give me a little bit of grace. Just a few more minutes. We're going to bring this thing home. We need to know what time it is. We need to discern the time. Now, here's some meat in 1 Kings 18, 37 through 39. First Kings 18, 3709. Now here's what I want you to do. For those of you take, I want you to write down every one of the five discernment practices that you see when you hear. This is an open book quiz, so I'm gonna help you. The first is easy. Hear me. So you know that's hearing, right? Hear me. That's like asking who's buried in Grant's tomb. That's the easy one. Oh Lord, hear me. Now he said it twice. Why would he do that? Here's what I want you to see. Hearing is a two-way street. Normally, when we are churchified and we're spiritual, we think, I just need to hear God. The first step is God needs to hear me. And one of the things that I try to do with all my might is to make certain that I'm always in a position for God to hear me to hear me, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And so if I know that you have something, even if I'm right, it doesn't matter. I want to be righteous more than be right. I will release the spirit of reconciliation and come to you and apologize even if I if I'm not sure if I know if I don't know all I know is there's something between us I'm not gonna let that stay on me because I need him to hear me because I need to hear him and hearing is a two-way street sometimes we get to the place we think it's only one way and when you are that's almost right See, that's how you lose discernment because when you get into that space of being almost right and you think it's just about you hearing God, you're open to presumptuousness. That's what Jeremiah didn't want to do. That's why he said, then I knew it was the word of the Lord and I try to guard my heart with all diligence because I need to hear God and I need God to hear me. So the prophet said, Elijah the Tishbite, hear me, O Lord hear me that's one discernment practice look at the next one that this people may know that you are the Lord God this is the man who moments ago didn't get any response he said Lord this isn't about me I don't want people to know that I'm your prophet I want people to know that you are the Lord God so this discernment practice is intercession He's praying on behalf of a people who gave him no amens. I want to say to every leader, when you're frustrated and you think people are not responding the right way, remember, it's not about you. It's about him. Your job is to point the people to him, not to you. It's not to make you feel good. It's not to make you feel better. It's about him. We're his servant. Hear me, O Lord. Hear me that this people may know that you are the Lord God and that you, you don't see, only time he says me is hear me. Then he turns to God that you have turned their hearts back to you. He's speaking it. See, that's a word of knowledge. He's it before it happened. He said they need to know that you've turned their hearts. He didn't say that you're turning their hearts. You already turned it. They just don't know. If you don't know, you better ask somebody. He said that you have turned their hearts back to you. Now let's go to the next verse. Verse 38. Then when the prophet was not focusing on himself, When he turned to God, something happened. Somebody say, then the fire of the Lord fell. The fire is held up in heaven. It wants to to fall. But he said, I need a people who turn to me and, and call out to me to hear them. They think they can do it themselves. They think it's about their anointing. They think it's about the size of their congregation. But when He turned them to God. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones. Our God is a consuming fire and even the dust. When the fire of God comes, it cleanses us. Nothing is left. Even the dust. Now here is something that I want you to see. And it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now think about this. They have been in a drought for three years. For three years, no water, they have none. Think about what we do when we're in a drought. We conserve water, right? Whatever um, area you're in, they say shower less, don't water the grass, everything to conserve water. God directs the prophet to use this precious commodity, water, and then have the water licked up. You would think the people would say, man, we could have drank that water. That was good water. That was purified water. And you're going to have fire come, but when God comes, reason goes out. None of that stuff. These same people who were worshiping Baal who would have complained. If God didn't show up, they would have killed Elijah. That's why you better make sure that it's God who sent you. You better make sure that when you speak a word, it's God because then God will back you up. He gave Elijah the one instruction. Show yourself to Ahab. Ahab tried to scapegoat him. He brought all these other people. But because God sent him, God took care of the rest. Let's go to the last verse, 39. And watch what happened. Now when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. What does that have to do with our generation? There are people who don't really know who God is. And some of them, as it was said earlier, will never set foot in a church. But when the hand of God is upon upon you, that's all they need to see. When the fire of God fell, it changed their attitude. It changed their disposition. And The water that was to be conserved and preserved, the prophet used it to show them that the God of Israel was God and that Baal could not answer, that Baal could not move. And you know in that 18th chapter, he mocked them. He mocked them as they were prophesying and praying and cutting themselves. They literally cut themselves as they were doing all of that. He said, he is a God, right? Baal is a God. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's sleep. God will put us in a position. He wants us to be in a position where where the world is no longer caught between two opinions. They know God because they see God working. There's no debate The debate was over. They didn't say amen when he spoke, but when they saw the evidence that this God is real and we are his people, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. May there be a confession in our generation that the God we serve, he is God. We're living in a time where people are not paying attention to rhetoric. They're not paying attention to words. Peace, as she talked about her ministry, said she was hearing stuff, but nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And so it, was, it caused fatigue. It caused her to want to give up. And there are many, many people who are like that. And God is saying, that these are the days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah, where the people are gonna see who God is. We're not just gonna sing that my God reigns, my God lives, are gonna be evidence. There's gonna be a demonstration. These, Somebody type, these are the days of Elijah. These are the days of Elijah. There are some of you, God is hiding you. God is hiding you, and he's about to bring you out of hiding. He's about to bring you out of hiding, and he's going to tell you where to show up. And when you show up, he's going to show up. God can't show up until you show up. There are some places that God wants to go, but he can't get there unless he gets there through you. God is saying, I've hidden you but it's time for you to go. To others, he's saying, the brook has dried up. The brook has dried up. It's time for you to go. To others, he's saying, I know it's frustrating. Son, daughter, you're frustrated because no matter what you do, you're not getting a response. It's time to do something different. And the different thing is to allow me to confirm my word Through signs. And then when they see it, when the people saw it, they fell on their faces. They heard his voice and it got no response. But when they saw God move, they fell on their faces. And then they said, they confessed with their own mouth. See, then it wasn't about what Elijah said. It's about what they said. They had their own confession. The Lord, he is God, May the hand of God be upon you so that everywhere you go and everywhere you shall be, people will open their mouth and say, The Lord, He is God. I see God working. I just want to tell you a quick story about God confirming His Word. One is simple. They're both brief. One is simple. One is more in the miraculous. The simple one first. On yesterday, no, on Friday, when I woke up in the morning, God put something in my spirit where there's some changes being made on a board that I serve as chair. It's in the city of Philadelphia and it's related to the gospel. And I'm trying to reconcile how do we honor the founder and we're bringing in new leadership and where, where should they be placed? God dropped it in my spirit. I went out and, sit, and ran it by my wife. She said, that's a good idea. I said, okay. And it was about creating a committee that the founder could head up without being in a position that would be awkward for the new leader so the new leader could shine. Several hours later, I get a call from a ministry in Philadelphia, from a dear friend, her name is Rita Whitaker. She runs Life Turning Point. And she started asking me if I could lend a voice to the very same type of committee. And I listened to her. I told her I, I can't commit myself to it because I have too, I'm wearing too many hats right now. But I said, the real reason you call is not what you think. You just confirmed the word that God gave to me. Then I knew that it's the right thing to do for what I was trying to plan. He sends someone to confirm that very word within hours. And I I told it to her and we rejoiced together. Two weeks ago, I was driving up to campus and someone had asked me to pray for someone who was in a coma. And as I was driving, I wasn't too far. I was just about to turn onto to Crescent Valley Road. And the Spirit of God came upon me. And I began to say, through weeping, it was strange. Wake her up. My God, I Rakotorobo, wake her up. I just began to speak that. And it was so strong in my spirit. I'm like, Lord, I gotta, I gotta preach. I'm so close. And I, so I picked up the phone and I called the relative who's probably watching right now. I'm not gonna name names because I don't have permission to do it, but you know who you are. And I told them what was on me. And we had a brief exchange. And then later I got a text. Pastor, would you go down to the hospital? Would you go into that room and pray? And I said, of course, tell me. Her sons were asking if I would do it, one of her sons. And so that day I went down and when I went into the hospital, they asked me to show proof of vaccination. They take you through all that stuff. And then the guy is looking her up. What's her name? What's her room? Oh, she's not here. What? She's not here? Nope, she's not here. He went on and on. So I called the person. So they said he's not here, let me go call her son. So we went through all this stuff. It was the enemy trying to distract me. So this guy who told me she wasn't here, took a break. And there was another young lady, I went back up. I didn't leave, cause I, the spirit didn't suffer me to leave, I stayed there. She said, I heard you talking to my colleague, what did he tell you? That she's not in this hospital, I don't know where to go. So she looked at her, what's her name, what's her room? She looked, she said, He's tired. He's been overworked. She's here. All you have to do is go up the escalator, walk across this causeway, and she's in that building. And then we had a little chuckle. I called him back and said, Okay, I'm going to the room. I make my way up, I go into the room. The Spirit of God comes on me. And I begin to pray as I'm I'm walking around the room. I look over, I see some oil. I get the oil, I lay hands on her. I have on a mask, I know it's COVID, but God said lay hands. I laid hands on her. She's she's not conscious, she's asleep. But her face started to change. And her breathing started to change. And literally, there's motion. And I'm saying, uh uh-oh, wake her up. Wake her up. I was about to go in her ear and say, wake her up. The Spirit said, don't do that. I went and washed my hands. And when I came out, her son was there. And I said, now I understand why you didn't want me to go in her ear. And I began to talk to him and encourage his faith. And I was telling him I saw my mother in that same position and God raised her up. God's going to wake her up. And he was encouraged. I could see it in his eyes. And he, he picked up a book. And he said, when she wakes up, I wanted to know all the special people who've been in here. I could see his faith was activated. And he said, Pastor, do you mind if I write it in the book? I said, write it down and write the date. He's going to wake her up. A week later, again, the Spirit of the Lord came on me and said, I want you to send a text to that person and tell her, and just write, wake her up. And you know, I didn't do it. And I I realize why now God took me to Jeremiah. Because I didn't have the, then I knew it was the word of the Lord moment. I knew that God told me. Do you know that day, it's in my phone. That same day, last Sunday, I got a text from the person saying, I got a praise report. She woke up. Her eyes are moving and she's alert. And I said, and I respond, then I knew it was the word of the Lord. And I said, but the job is not finished. I text back, I said, we're going to change our prayer to raise her up. See, every step of the way God I said, oh, she woke up, now raise her up. I want to see her walk out of there. Anybody who has faith, you don't have to know who it is. I want you to say with your mouth right now, raise her up. Who knows the spirit of God might be in that room right now, raising her up. God says, tell her to wake up, and he woke her up. This might be the moment. This might be the moment to raise her up. Somebody say, raise her up. Raise her up. God, hear me. God, hear me, that her family will know that you are God, that you are the Lord God. Her son wrote it in a book. Let it be a book of remembrance. Let it be like Jeremiah unto him, that he would say, now I know that this is God, because it wasn't looking good. It wasn't looking good, but God caused her to open her eyes and to be alert. And I believe God that he's going to raise her up. We live in the supernatural. I was happy to go down to that hospital. When somebody calls you to go, don't doubt God. Don't doubt yourself. That same ability to speak is in you. It's upon you. The spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's working with you to confirm his word. Father, I thank you for those who you've released today. I thank you for the faith that you've encouraged. I thank you, God, for allowing us to enter in to that place behind the veil that we can discern the times. God, we want to know what you're doing. And if we regard iniquity in our hearts, we know you won't hear us, so cleanse us. Give us the spirit of reconciliation so we can make right our hearts so that the power of God will rest upon us. Rest upon your people now. Let the shalom of God be upon peace. God, I pray that the things that you have for her, she haven't even begun to imagine. The doors that you've already opened. The power that you've already released. God, you've hidden her. And God, even though now for a season, she's been doing what you've called her to do. Let the next level of transformation come that she might go from glory to glory. God, we call her now from glory to glory. Even by the spirit of God, we thank you. We honor you and we believe you. Confirm your word. Confirm your word in Jesus' name.
0: Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we
1: meet again.